of a mother, the desire to nurture and love a young life, but not have an opportunity, not to have a child with which to mother. What great pain and struggle. It's been my experience over the years dealing with couples who simply can't have children, but yet desire to have children. One of our favorite memories in one of our children's uh, baby books is a young couple that was in that same position in Denver, Colorado, and Cindy was pregnant with uh, Mark, and she so much wanted a little girl. I had to sleep with pink bows under my pillow. Uh, she, it was ugly what she made me do. Don't ruin my story right now. Don't, 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 don't ruin, don't ruin. Don't ruin, he just, he ruined my story. This young couple, they couldn't have children. They're a wonderful young couple. And uh, so when, when they heard about uh, her wanting a, a girl, they wrote out a $10,000 check and unsigned. <laughs> and in the memo section said, if it's a boy, <laughs> they were going to buy that baby and have that baby. Now, it was a, it was a joke, obviously, but uh, it just shows you the heart that they have. And they, want, and they later adopted a couple of children and have, and have been tremendous parents to those children. But it really pains the heart of a woman who wants to nurture, who wants to be a mom, and she just can't do it. Scripture gives us a glimpse of that same type of thing in our, in our text this morning. Have it up here. Let's, let's uh, share it together. Or, or you listen as I read it, I guess. If you have it in your Bible, just follow along. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Hannah is a great example of emotional pain desiring to be a mother. But she doesn't have a child. And in her pain, she calls out to God. And can I give you a little bit of a side note that really is not the focus of the message? But that's not a bad thing to, to do, ladies and men. In the midst of our painful situations that we find ourselves in life, it's always best to call out to God. It's always best to call out to God. Like the hymn writer Elisha Hoffman said, I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. Hannah goes to God in her pain, and in her pain, the first thing I want you to see from our text is that she makes a vow. What a great gift it is to be a mother or a father. But what a great responsibility. I don't know about you, but I was overwhelmed at being a father. It's amazing, an amazing honor. And there's a great weight that's put on you to raise that young, precious life and to shape them and mold them and direct them. I didn't receive an owner's manual with the birth of my sons. And I can tell you, I made a lot of mistakes. 
I needed someone more qualified than myself to help me with that process of parenting. Hannah points us to the very one who's qualified to help us. Hannah gives her son to God, literally. But she points us to do the same thing. Hannah promised her future son to God as a priest and to demonstrate the depth of that commitment. She committed him to a Nazarite vow. Now, according to Jewish traditions, Levite priests were to serve until they reached the age of 50. Likewise, a Nazarite vow was enforced for only a limited time. But Hannah exceeded both of those requirements and limitations when she committed her son for his whole life. When she said that not a razor will ever touch the hair of his head. I find it very amazing that Hannah would make such an extreme promise for a son that she did not have. Hannah was so confident that God could give her, give her a son that she makes a vow. And so there's a difficult question that I want to ask you moms. Mom, how much do you trust God? Do you trust Him enough to give Him your children? If not, then the next question should be, why not? Hannah trusted God completely with her son, and moms, you can too. second thing I want you to see in our text is that Hannah gave her son to serve God. I was reading in preparation for the message and ran across an article that, that caught my eye from the North American Mission Board, uh, part of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. And in this article, it talked about the decline of baptisms over the past several years. And it said that in the next year, there will be over 10,000 Southern Baptist churches who will not baptize anybody. That's incredible. It's incredible. In some areas, over 80% of the people in this uh, article, it said in some areas of our country, over 80% of the people don't even go to church. But you see, the national average is 70%. Just don't go to church. Let me throw another statistic at you. 82% will attend a church if someone they know invites them to come. You see, you've got to get personally involved. You've got to get personally involved. But what can alter the course that so many churches are headed in? Jesus told us that the harvest was plentiful, but the workers were few. At pastor's conference two years ago, I was in a workshop with at least 60 pastors in the, in the class. And the speaker said he wanted to, to, to learn something. <coughs> he wanted to learn something about those that were in attendance in his class. He said, how many of you grew up in a church of a thousand or more in attendance? Not one hand went up. He said, how many of you grew up in a church of 500 to 1,000 in attendance? One hand went up. He said, how many of you grew up in a church of 200 to 500? I'd say probably about 20% of the hands went up. He said, how many of you grew up in a church of 200 or below? All the rest of our hands went up. He said, are the large churches sending people into the ministry? 
Or is it the smaller churches that are sending them into the ministry? What a great statement, amen? But you see, what happens is we must challenge our young people to consider ministry. Because we're losing. We're losing ground. <laughs> I mean, we ought to be paying our young preachers signing bonuses of $78 million. Why not? Why not? We would have more signing up to go into the ministry, wouldn't we? If we would give them signing bonuses. They gave that goofy uh, kid coming out of uh, college to go in to play for the Miami Dolphins. That's a, losing, that's a losing issue. But he's guaranteed $30 million. I mean, I'm feeling for him. You know what I'm saying? They're robbing that sucker. They're robbing that boy. He's, what, 22 years old making $30 million? I don't believe you'll be able to make it. And yet we've, we've got churches that are dying. We've got people that are lost. We've got, we got 10,000 Southern Baptist churches that aren't going to baptize anybody. A new generation of individuals which have been given to God, moms, to serve Him could become a mighty army for the kingdom of God. Let me give you a few quotes from some missionaries. Got them up here on the board. Follow with me. Robert Moffat. In the vast plains of the north I have seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been. Oswald Smith. We walk the second, uh, we talk the second coming. Half the world has never heard the first. Amy Carmichael. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Mike Stachura. The mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. When Mick told us how much money the missions team had to spend at the leadership meeting Saturday, we instantly spent all of it, just like that. Instantly, just like that. And I told the men, I said, gentlemen, we must get this money gone. It's mission money. It's what it's for. It's not to set in in our bank account. Let's get rid of it. And they just kind of looked at me and I said, here, let me give you five of them. Man, I was ready. The one that they rejected, which I could not believe, was to fly Russell and myself to Seattle. And Russell was going to line up speaking engagements for me in, in, in the Russian church every day for a week. And the men wholeheartedly and in unison said, no! I thought, no! Well, then spend the money. Amen? And we're going to spend it. They'll have a meeting Tuesday, and, and that account's going to drop down drastically. Amen? Before Mick leaves here, you beat on him and tell him, spend that money. Spend that money. He knows. William Booth, though, got to give you this quote. Not called, you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear Him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. God, stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and entreat their brothers and sisters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell Him whether you would join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the, in the march to publish His mercy to this world world. Woo! That's what we need to be about. 
And we need some moms who will challenge their children to be ministers and missionaries and full-time servants of the Almighty God. When I hear those quotes, something stirs within me. But the question is, how much does it stir in you? Oh, you might, it might stir you to say, boy, you know, we need to give more to missions. It might stir you to say, you know, I, I could do a short-term mission trip. Those are all good. Don't get me wrong. They're great. In fact, the National Missionary Convention of our Christian church, the Church of Christ, is coming to Tulsa in November. You have a chance to rub elbows with some of the great missionaries who've ever lived and who are working now. Your whole, this whole church has been rapid registered, so you don't, you don't have to pay a dime. You just have to work the time in to go to the convention downtown Tulsa. How many of you will make it? We're too busy. We're too busy. We're too busy. That's how we, that's how we encountered A.J. Law was the last convention was here. A.J. came and spoke here. And it's, it's changed our whole church. You might say, well, the price is too high, preacher. I, I can't give my son or my daughter to serve God. And you know, you're right. It is an extremely high price. But I would have you consider one thing. Is that not what the Heavenly Father did for you and for me, but to give His only Son? Thirdly, Hannah gave her son to worship God. When Samuel, Samuel is weaned, Hannah makes good on her vow. She, she brings the boy to Eli the priest. And in 1 Samuel 1, 26 through 28, it tells us of that encounter. It says, please, my Lord, she said, as sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked for, uh, asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And then he bowed and worshipped the Lord there. Who's the he in that verse? Is it Eli, the priest? Samuel, the boy, no more than two or three years old. And he's there worshiping God. How did he learn to worship God at the age of two and three? Hannah taught him. Hannah taught him. How do children learn anything about God? Moms, you teach them. You're teaching them little Bible songs. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be you got it. 3,900 verses to that thing. But why do you keep singing it to him? My oldest son, Jeff, had the croup when he was a baby. There's nothing worse than a kid trying to cough and gasp and get air. You're sitting there as a parent, a brand new parent, holding that child going, what do I do now? You can call your parents and they hang up on you. You can call anybody and ask them, what do I do? And they hang up on you. So you're left on your own. So you sacrifice that child to Moloch. Amen. No. You finally get hold of the pediatrician who says, run hot water in the bathroom. Okay. The steam will loosen up the bronchial cords and they'll, or passages and they'll breathe. I said, all right. So he and I sit in that sauna. <laughs> for what seemed like days. And what did I do with Jeff while I was in there? 
and him laying on my chest, gasping for air, I sang to him. I sang, Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves you. This I know. Yeah. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I sang it over and over and over and over, hoping that he'd gasp for air, and somehow he got through it, and he's preaching the gospel today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She taught him how to worship. It's an amazing passage. It's an amazing passage. Children are like sponges. They soak up everything that's around them. You wonder where they learn to cuss. They heard you! You wonder where they learn how to drink beer. They saw you! How did they learn to smoke? They saw you! Well, they sure didn't in my house. They didn't? Well, how do they learn to lose their temper? You see, they're not born angry. Babies don't, they're not angry. When you look at them, they'll smile at the goofiest things. I looked at Emily this morning when she walked in. She started smiling. That's the way I know. She smiles at goofy stuff, even me. I tried to get her to smile again. Cindy said, oh, she's long past you. Five minutes and <laughs> your history. Oh, my goodness, folks. These kids soak it in. I read, a, I read a story about a pastor and his family, and, 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 and it's just a, it's a touching story. His son Jack was only uh, 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 one and a half years old. The preschool teacher came to the mom and dad and, and, and told him what had happened in the class. They had snack time and prayed over the snack. So Jack, one and a half, puts his two little hands together in a prayer position, bows his head. And as special as that was, it wasn't the only time it happened. At the church where this pastor preaches, they have a speaker in the nursery that broadcasts the worship service. And at one point in the service, the pastor, who Jack knew that voice, the pastor said, let's pray. Jack stopped what he was doing, bowed his head, put his hands together again to pray. Now, how did he know to do that? It's because that mom and that dad, that preacher and his wife, when they would pray for meals, they included Jack in those prayers. How do your children learn to read and study the Bible? They watch you do it. How do they see serving God is important? Because they see you doing it. Why is church attendance important? For no other reason so your kids think it's important. Uh, I don't think we'll get up and go today, baby. Had a long day yesterday and I'm just sore and wore out. I think I'm going to stay at the house. And praise God that mother gets up and hauls those kids to church. Amen? Oh, we need more parents who will teach their kids the spiritual things. Fourthly and lastly, Hannah gave herself to God. In 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 and 2, and we read that. Uh, earlier in our service it's the details of the prayer of Hannah it's the secret to how Hannah trusted God could give her son to God and to teach him how to worship God and above all Hannah gave herself to God let's revisit those verses Hannah prayed 
My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. And there is no rock like our God. Hannah rejoices in her, in her Lord and in his salvation. Her horn, which is a symbol of power, is the Lord. And her rock is God. In just a few verses, Hannah exalts the might and the power of the Lord. And what is crucial is to notice that these are not just words, but reflections of her heart. It's really kind of a telling thing this morning, wasn't it? When we said, how many of you moms read a Bible story to your kids? You didn't think I'd bring that back up, did you? If we're not reading the Bible to them, how are they going to get it? Because there's plenty of other stuff being read to them. Boy, you better get that Bible story book out and start reading them Bible stories to them. Pour it on them, man. Pour it on them. Make them sick of it. But if you make it alive... Oh, you can just read the story. But if you want to read the story and make it alive, yeah, make it alive. They're going to want to listen. They're going to want that story every day. They're going to ask you for that story. Because you see, that story has power. That story has anointing. That story has God all over it. You read it, and it goes into that heart. It goes into that heart. And then they rise up to serve God in such a mighty way. Woo! Oh, it just happened. Oh, I just got lucky. <laughs> That's because you're pouring it in there. You're pouring it in there. See, we teach them how to be. In, in fact, if, if your child is going to be a professional golfer and they can't hit under par by the age of 13, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Everybody wants their child to be Tiger Woods. Everybody, that kid plays golf. We were at the golf course yesterday, Corey and I were, and we were watching the J Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour. Some of them couldn't play a lick. I saw them hit the ball. I thought, what are they doing out there? I can hit the ball farther than there, isn't it? And then there was this one girl. She got it. I mean, her swing is just so fluid. She just, she's skinny. She, she's about as big as this post right there. I look like olive oil over there hitting the ball. The club head was bigger than her. Takes it back. Shoot. That ball is that far from the pin. I said, that's who I want to invest my time in right there. Amen. Because you see. They can't do it by 13. You're wasting your time. What about professional baseball players? How many, how many come out of high school and go right into pro, pro baseball? Not very many. How many basketball players come out and go right into the pros? More. How many come out of high school and go into football? None. You've got to be three years in college before football will take you in. And how many of them leave after three years of college and go right into the pros? Bunches. Why do they do that? Well, first of all, because they're pretty good athletes. But secondly, it's because of that almighty dollar. If we can get that almighty dollar, woohoo, we win. They're one, knee, they're one knee injury away from not having a whole lot of money. Amen. That's why that boy was smart who got a $30 million guaranteed contract. That's not bad. If he gets hurt, $30 million. I bet you the wife that he has is thrilled to death with that contract. She's saying, give it all out there, honey, give it all. Yeah, she did. Count her down, boy. See, they only get 16 paychecks a year. Do you know that? 
professional football players only get 16 paychecks a year? I think I understood this right. They get paid every Monday morning for 16 weeks. Now, their check is about $450,000 or more. Or more. Yeah. I, I, it's a struggle, isn't it, for them, those guys to make it on that kind of money? Every week, they're getting that kind of check. Glory to God. But you see, Hannah had such a personal relationship with God, it fueled her trust. It fueled her commitment. It fueled her life. The power of the Lord. He is her rock. Jesus tells that story of two men who built homes, one upon the sand and one upon the rock. You know how that story goes. The storm came up and destroyed the house on the sand and the house on the rock stood strong. How can you be a mom who trusts God with her children? How can you make a commitment to lead your children to serve God? How can you be a model and example to your children of a life spent worshiping God? The answer is the same. You must have, a, have such a personal relationship with God that it fuels that trust. It fuels your commitment and it fuels your life. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, can the moms here trust you enough with, your, with their children? Well, they can if they trust you with their life. Can they lead their children to serve God? Well, they can if they serve you. Father, can they lead their children to worship you? Well, they can if they are worshiping you. Father, can they lead their children to be mighty men and women of God? Individuals who you can use to advance your kingdom. Well, they can. Father, if they've built their life upon the rock of a personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Father, there may be someone here this morning that needs to make a stronger commitment to you in relation to their children. I want to ask you, Father, to move in those hearts. There might be a mom that just says, you know, I, I just am really struggling with raising my children. I'm really struggling with being a mom, being a wife, just I'm, I'm, I'm loaded down. And they need prayer. God, we'd love to have a time of prayer with them this morning. Perhaps, Father, there's somebody here, a mom that's here, who's never claimed you as their personal Savior. Well, what a great day that would be. They might not understand what all that means, and so we'd love that opportunity to talk with them, to pray with them, and to study Scripture with them. So, Father, whatever decisions might need to be made this morning, and it's open to anybody, not just moms, if you're moving in the hearts of anybody in this room this morning, would you encourage them? And it does take great courage to reach out for help. But you're just one arm length away. As I reach out, you're already on the way down for me. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. morning. Pray that our service has been a blessing to you. Lots of visitors here today, so make sure you greet them and, and let them know they're loved and uh, welcome in the Lord. And uh, moms, congratulations to you today. You are to be honored today. How many of you have got to go home and cook? Good. Get those hands down. Amen. <laughs> One does. What is that all about? I don't think so. They shouldn't make you cook. They should cook. Right? Let's, it's already ready. Well, then they should warm it up, and you should prop your feet up, and they should bring you iced tea, sweet tea, if I remember right. They should rub your feet with oil. All right, let's pray before we begin. All right. Who has our closing prayer this morning? Brother Rodney, great, after the, uh, uh, after the prayer. And uh, by the way, uh, uh, give old Rodney a pat on the back. The high school baseball team still uh, fighting for the state championship. So uh, we praise the Lord for that. And, uh, Brian, how'd we do? Well, we need to pray for that track team. <laughs> the girls' track team, so we need to. Well, we had one. Boys got third. Boys got third. We had one girl win the, I think, was it we the, had one girl win the discus? Discus, great. So freshman. Freshman. Pra freshman. Woo, praise God. And I think our freshman girls did, uh, did they win the little? They won their conference. They won their conference championship. And that's Morgan back there. All right. Praise God. Very good. Okay. Super. Rodney, have our prayer, and following that, we'll have our closing song, I'll Fly Away.